Basketball Manitoba podcast, we have Rashawn Brown. He played his college basketball at New Mexico State University and then transferred to California University of Pennsylvania for one season before coming back to Canada, where he played his final three years with the University of Manitoba Bisons. During his final three seasons with Manitoba, he led them to the most wins in school history while playing in the Canada West Conference. There, he was second team All-Canadian. He was Canada West's first and third team All-Star. He was University of Manitoba Male Athlete of the Year, and he was a men's basketball team MVP. After ending his university career, he was selected eighth overall in the 2020 CEBL draft by the Saskatchewan Rattlers. As a rookie playing the CBL Summer Series, he averaged 8.5 points, 3.5 assists, and 3.2 rebounds, and was the runner-up for U Sport Player of the Year. Currently, Rashawn is an assistant coach with the University of Manitoba Bisons and is a board member of the newly founded Winnipeg Sea Bears of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Rashawn, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Darcy, how's it going? It's going, man. It's going. So I jumped online um, and I saw you wearing the Sea Bear shirt. So yes, you're, you're not a, a, a Winnipeg native, but I think uh, based off you wearing the shirt, your time at Manitoba, uh, your personal life, I think you're a Winnipegger now. Ah, uh, Winnipeg is home. I work here. <laughs> here. I bought a home with my fiance here. This is uh, this is home base now. This is it, man. So you got the Sea Bear shirt on. Um, talk a little bit about, man. You played in the CBL as a player. Um, now you're you're obviously advising and in, in, in some capacity on their board. Um, this and you're part of the community. This is a pretty big uh, big thing to to have this uh, this team here. And the CBL, um, you you know this, and I know this. It's it's a league doing things the right way. Um, so, you know, tell me a little bit about that, what, like how, it, how you feel, uh, having a professional team, uh, here in Winnipeg. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I think from the, the main thing that, well, I grew up in Toronto, right. So having the Raptors, mm -hmm. right. I was able to have something to strive for as a kid, right. I was able to see, uh, what sports could do for people. And, you know, uh, you know, basketball is not a sport that necessarily costs the most money to get involved in. So I think mm -hmm. the seat bears will provide inspiration for, you know, the demographic of people in Winnipeg that don't necessarily have the means to be playing a hockey or a football, right? And just kind of uh, give that kid some hope that, you know, hey, maybe I can do something with this sport that, you know, leads to an education, leads to a, mm -hmm. a job or whatever it could do. Absolutely. And as the league grows, the, the thing I love about the the CBL is, um, and I was, I was talking to, uh, to, uh, to Chad, and uh, we were having this conversation. Uh, this is before the CBL uh, news with the Sea Bears, but you know we both we both knew about it at the time. So we were talking offline uh, when I interviewed him. But the cool thing about it is that they offer that spot for U Sport players, and I mm -hmm. think that's like genius. Like that's unbelievable. Like it might be one of the few leagues. I mean, at least in North America, that has that type of opportunity. Yeah. No, for sure. I think it's great. I think uh, there's a lot of talent in the U Sports level. I mean, obviously, it's not uh, it's not all equal i'd say there's you know the guys that bounced back didn't work out in the us or you know guys that just chose to stay home um and i feel like the the idea for for teams overseas is that you know there's nobody in canada like if we want if we mm. want a player it's got to be coming from the division one maybe a division two level right well i just think this is uh kind of a platform for guys like myself who uh, we're probably good enough to play overseas to get that kind of exposure so that you know we could catapult ourselves into a better basketball career Mm -hmm, mm hmm. Absolutely. No, that's, that's, that's the big thing about it. Like, and, and Canada, I mean, you know, there's tons of talent here and, you know, people, they're still going to go play overseas, but that's another thing that they did is they made it a spring 
like summer league, right? So it's like, hey, you come out here after playing, you can come back home, you can play in your home city. Uh, these are super unique opportunities. And again, like this, this league is no joke. Like I've, I've been to games um, at different venues. The talent level is awesome. Again, you know this, you've played in it um, and it just continues to grow. So again, like the fact that Winnipeg is, is on the map now as part of the league, I think is, is massive. And I know that uh, the community is going to support the team, like without question, like it's the community loves basketball. For sure. And just to give like the the listeners and the the, the watchers at home uh, an idea of what's kind of going on in the CEBL, you got to kind of understand the nature of professional basketball. It is if we take out the the uh, NBA, right? Everywhere overseas, every team's going to have a restriction to how many imports they can have. Yes. Imports people who aren't born in that country, right? So uh, everybody, my point being, everybody in the CEBL or most people play overseas, which would mean that they're a top three to or maybe player on their overseas team, right? Then you take those players, so the best of their teams, you bring them back and you put them all together. So it's essentially like a summer of all-star basketball where you have coaches and actual sets. It's not all-star weekend where it's just, hey, go hoop. It's, hey, we're going to actually have practice. We're going to get you guys together. Uh, It's development. It's training. I think it's a great product. Yeah, yeah. No, super exciting. And the last thing I'll say about this, we're getting to your story, is the Elam ending. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about that, man, because I know you've had some experiences with it. Yeah, so that that one threw me off. So for, again, <laughs> Elam ending is a little different than a traditional ending. So I'm sure everybody's watched a basketball game before, you know, clock runs down, game's over. Well, with Elam ending, uh, I forget the exact number that you had, but so what happens is, uh, say there's four minutes left in the game, right? Time stops, right? Time no longer matters. Whatever the score is at, um, at whatever that time hits, four minutes left in the game, you add a certain amount of points to the leading team score. And then it's just a race to see who gets there first. So technically you could be down 30, right? And if you, you know, can get to that target number before they can, you, you win, right? So it kind of takes out the, you know, when fans leave at the end of the game, cause it's not yep. that anymore, it's a blowout. That doesn't exist, right? So what we've essentially done, they've got the best of the best Canadians coming back home and playing together right? With coaching, with practices, not just an all-star game. And on top of that, the games are never over simply for the fact that it's not necessarily a clock thing. It's a, you know, can we get to that score before they can, right? Yeah. 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 No, it's uh that, that like, I think, wasn't it in this year's final, I want to say like one of the teams came back like crazy. Something yeah. Else, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh like I said, and I think that's why people are gonna be like, wow, this is insane. Like I'm I I know it's it's just gonna be such a hit. And uh and like I said, it's uh it's just a cool opportunity for I think locals, um, local kids coming up to see that. And, and again, I know that um in the past, I don't know if this is still the case, but um when it does come to uh the U sport athletes that they have tend to have on the team, they tend to be like from the region, right? So like likely from Manitoba or or Winnipeg or Brandon. Um, local people, right? So it'd be someone, it could be someone from out of the, that's playing at Alberta or something, but they're from, they're going to be from the area typically. Is that, that's usually how it works, right? Uh, not necessarily. Um, it worked like that for me. Uh, SAS okay. was the closest, um, uh, team to Winnipeg, obviously, yep. but oh, there's a couple guys that would play in different spots. Uh, that draft pick is literally whoever they want to draft, right? You sports player, they could be graduating and still count. They could have, four more years left, three more years left. It doesn't yeah. matter as long as they're in your sports, they're eligible for that spot. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah, I guess it just depends on the franchise. Like, I mean, there, you pr- you probably do get that though, because if I'm, uh, think about it, if I'm, let's say you're 
you know, playing at Manitoba, you're having a great season uh, and you're going to be here. Well, we're just going to, let's just draft him because he's local. He's here. So sure. it makes sense uh, that, the, but again, it's going to be up to that franchise. So, um, all right. Enough about the sea bears. Shout out to uh, 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 Mr. Asper. I know he's a listener of the podcast. So um, shout out. And, 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 you know, I thanked them personally. I said, you know what? Um, the fact that you're, you, 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 you did this, we need champions to kind of go out and do these things, man. So big shout out, because I know this is going to change a lot of um, kids lives uh, when it comes to that. Cause my, my first experience um, with basketball when I was super young was with the Winnipeg thunder. Uh, and they did like a thunderball. They had like these, you know, things at the Y and, you know, I got, I got into playing it like that. So I know it's going to be a big opportunity for these young kids and, and future kids. So um, having said all of that, I want to rewind um, and I want to look at your past, right? Obviously I'd say, Hey, I got my past. I got my uh, start, you know, my exposure to the game early on was playing thunder basketball. Um, now the sea bears are here. They're going to give other people an opportunity. Um, but you didn't grow up here. Um, you grew up in Toronto in, in, in that GTA area, if I'm not mistaken. You know, what are for your first memories of basketball? How'd you get involved in the game? Who, who, who showed you the game? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so my, my start in basketball comes down to a man named Terrence Phillips. Um, Coach Terrence, if, you check, uh, if you're watching this or listening to this, thanks for everything. Um, Coach Terrence was the guy who kind of convinced my mom to let me uh, start playing basketball. Um, in the first year I played, I was absolutely terrible. The reason I wanted to play was <laughs> all my friends were playing, right? Yeah. Uh, I had played soccer before, as most kids do. I uh, didn't really like it. It wasn't really for me. had really big feet as a kid, so it wasn't my thing. Yeah. Uh, so I tried basketball, uh, and I, only, I got onto the team when we had provincials left. So just kind of like how we would have uh, Manitoba Club basketball here, we have something called, or had something, I'm not sure if it still exists, OBA in Ontario, Ontario yes, basketball. Yes, yes. Right? Perfect. So... Uh, provincials is kind of like the culmination of the season at the end. Uh, and that's kind of where I had just gotten put onto the team. So we're in this final tournament. Everybody's been practicing all year. I already didn't play basketball as it was. Right. And I hadn't scored all tournament. Uh, we get to our finals, right. We're I think division three. So, yeah, but anyways, we get to the finals, right. And, uh, the other team is shooting a, sorry, somebody shooting a free throw. Right. Well, the ball comes off the rim. I finally get the rebound and I put it in and I start celebrating, man. I'm, I'm hype. Right. Let's go. <laughs> all coach parents going, no, no, no. I'm like what happened? Scored in the wrong basket. <laughs> so scored in the wrong basket. Oh, I love that. My first uh, memory of basketball. Uh, and then I went home after the weekend, you know, luckily we won in overtime. I scored the bucket to put it into overtime. <laughs> yeah. We ended up winning. So that was good. Uh, and then I went home to my grandpa I lived primarily with my uh, mom and grandpa during the week. Uh, and I said, Grandpa, I like this basketball thing, but I suck. And I don't want to yeah. suck. Anymore. And he said in a, in a, in a Barbadian Bayesian accent, hey, you know what? We'll figure it out. And from that point forward, 7 a.m. every morning before school, he was outside with me on a little nine foot rim. And we we figured it out by the next year. I was decent. So, yeah. And so and did he know anything about the game or just like he's like, I'll just show you what I know. Like he was oh. looking at books. <laughs> yeah, he was, looking at, uh, he was looking at books. He got a uh, better basketball. I don't know yep. if any of the know Shout better out. basketball. Oh, yeah. Michael Jordan had a series. Uh, my grandpa's like, a, he's from the islands, right? He's a traditionally like a tennis kind of cricket guy. Yep. But, you know, yeah. uh, as any supportive parent or grandparent would do, uh, he did all the research he could and tried to help me get to the best uh, that I could be. Nice, nice. So you start playing and, and you got better the following year. But what was it like after that? Because that's kind of like a introductory level basketball right um at what point 
are you now like you said you were how old nine uh that at that time i was nine nine, nine ten. Yes. yeah so like when did you start so nine ten like by what age were you like oh i'm actually pretty good at this was it like did it happen really quick or was yes. it like a slower development yeah so i went to that after that summer or sorry that that season i went to a jamal mcglore basketball camp i don't know if Shout you guys out. okay Shout you out. know jamal Le- legend yeah there we go. Okay. Uh, and I, I saw kind of what was out there in Toronto, at least. And, you know, I knew I had some catching up to do. My grandpa helped me out as well. Uh, and just, man, literally when I say every morning, like weekends, rain, hail, snow, whatever mm. it was, right? My grandpa and I were out there getting shots up, taught me how to do a layup because at this point I still couldn't do one of those. Yeah. Uh, and then by the next season, I think I would have been around 15 a game. Uh, so big jump from negative two. Uh, <laughs> to 15 and man from there is just something I fell in love with and I told myself okay I've caught up and in some cases I've surpassed yeah I don't ever want to go back to not being good again never it can't happen so grandpa and I stayed uh, uh true to it and we every morning kept going uh all the way up till probably about the ninth grade even when I was I don't know if I'm going too far ahead here but even when I was uh, home uh, university was coming home from New Mexico or Pennsylvania over the summer times. Uh, grandpa was there. Uh, he would come outside, rebound for me. Coach Terrence would open up a gym for us and we'd have nice. like our family training camp. I remember there'd be a few trainers that would kind of reach out to me and, you know, kind of want to help the D1 guy out. But it was like, no, I'm OK. I appreciate it. But I got my family kind of dynamic here, you know, and that's kind of how yeah. we and trained. Yeah. So so pretty much. uh you had pretty much two two mentors on the basketball side of things that were super critical uh, early, on. early on. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so you're 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 moving up. You're getting better. Um, in Toronto, like, did you play at a traditional high school? Were you doing the like? I don't know if it was the prep thing around, but in your your day, like, what were your what was your step? Like, walk us through that because again, like, you know, you're not from here, so it's not like you're like, hey, I went to St. Paul's and you know, you you had a different route. So just walk us through that. For sure. So it's funny how everything ties together. So because I went to that Jamal McGlore camp when I was 10 for the first time, and I went back when I was 11, right, I met a couple uh, coaches, uh, one named Colin Charles. Uh, Colin Charles was a standout at St. John's University, and he also played at Eastern Commerce with uh, Jamal McGlore. Okay. Uh, there was another one, Walid. I don't remember Walid's last name, to be honest with you. But again, another guy that was at that age, very uh, influential in my life. Uh, and then when it was time to go to high school, I, I asked my mom if I could apply at Eastern, right? Because I knew that's where all the coaches went. That's where Jamal went. Yeah. Uh, is anybody listening in Toronto? They know about the basketball powerhouse that was Eastern Commerce. Oh, yeah. Right? That's where I, I went. I know from, about that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's where I went from grade nine to 11. And Eastern Commerce, to give you a little bit more background, is, or it's shut down now, but uh, the school had low attendance. Right. And pretty much if you went there, you went there to play basketball. Like you were there to try and make a team. It was (laughs) a very um, competitive environment where everybody was at each other's throats. And I think that helped me uh, in my ability, just the grit, the toughness that I had to develop to keep uh, persevering and all that stuff when it came to the game. uh, That's where that definitely would have came from. Mm. Um, Now, so that was, we were doing the offset thing. So to answer your question about the prep thing, uh, after grade 11 there, I left and went to a school in Markham, Ontario called Bill Crothers, where I met uh, Charles Hantamakos. Uh, and I'd say up until that point, I probably was a skilled basketball player in terms of, you know, I could run, jump, shoot, whatever I need to do. But I didn't know how to play basketball yet. Yeah, I didn't know yeah, yeah. I would say I was more of a shooting guard because I didn't I didn't know how to make 
any reads. I didn't know how to pass. I didn't know what angles were. I didn't know any of that stuff. And Coach Charles or Unlucky Chucky, as I like to call him, <laughs> um, took me and a couple other players under his wing and helped to develop to the point where we knew the game pretty well. Uh, a couple other people that went there with me, Trey Bell Haynes, who's uh, yeah. played in the CEBL as well, plays mm-hmm. overseas, doing pretty well right now, Team Canada guy. Uh, it's one of my best friends, actually. So that was a fun time. Nice, nice. So how did you get to New Mexico? You got to tell us this because um, I think I know, part, I, I remember part of this story because we, we've had this conversation before, but uh, you know, you end up going to New Mexico. So talk a little bit about what your opportunities were after, you know, you play some prep. Now you have to, a, a decision to make, right? Like you're getting recruited by schools. What was that like? Uh, did you have other schools recruiting you? Did you do visits? Yeah. So I did, uh, I didn't actually, the, my problem was I didn't do any visits. Okay. Um, for anybody listening at home, take your visits if you can. <laughs> um, so back then, Canadians going to Division One school still wasn't as common as it is today, right? So I um, I, I played AAU uh, with Grassroots Canada that summer, Ro Russell. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard that before, but yep, yep. name in the basketball Toronto world. Um, and I picked up a few offers there, or not offers, but interest, right? New Mexico State being one of them. After a game, we played against Mac Urban Fire. Um, it was a Nike showcase and that year, Mac urban fire was in the EYBL. They would have had like Jaleel Okafor, Jalen Brunson, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who else would on that team? Cliff Alexander, um, Marcus Levette, like some, some pretty big names. Right. And I had a decent game. Uh, and coach told me I had picked up some stuff after that. Um, at this point, I don't really remember who the rest were, but yeah. So anyways, I come back for my senior year at Bill Crothers after that. Right. And it's just about trying to pick up more as well as maintain what I already have so that yeah. I can, you know, somewhere after my grade 13 in Ontario. Um, the other schools would have been schools that I didn't have the grades to get into. I had a few Ivy League schools, which I would have loved to have gone to, but unfortunately yeah. wasn't uh, an amazing student. So that didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of how things went. And then I showed up, I left my grade 13 year a little bit early because the coaches at New Mexico State wanted me to get there uh, in May for whatever reason. Uh, so I left, took off, and that was it. I hadn't been, uh, I hadn't left home for that long of a time forever. So, wow, that must have been a wild experience. Because yeah, that's like you're going to New Mexico. <laughs> it's like, what's, what's 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 what city is it in? Las Cruces. Yeah, I've never heard of it. It's a small town, like a city, uh, like a university city, or is it? It's a it's it's a smaller city, but I wouldn't say okay. it's a small city. It's it's somewhere in, in the middle. It's not quite Winnipeg, but it's. It's uh, it's definitely bigger than say like a Brandon or okay. like if there was no university, there's still stuff going on. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And that was, like I said, that must've been a, a massive change though for you, right? Like you're going to, a, oh, yeah. you're going to play, you know, division one basketball, but you're leaving home and you're, and you're in just, just generally like, again, the States is so varied depending on where you go. Um, for sure. that, that, that's a, that must've been a weird change, but t- tell me about your first year there. Cause again, obviously you transferred um after that right so i'm guessing it wasn't like the 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 best experience uh you know for me it was uh i struggled um Mm. i i played in every game but i wasn't able to i wasn't able to put it all together let's put it that way right Mm. um Uh and i knew that i was supposed to go back there it was the idea um but after our season our head coach had uh received a coaching job offer at a bigger school uh at UN to be exact uh, so when that happened and our assistant coach became the head coach, uh, I want to say half, but that number might not be completely accurate, but a good chunk of us had to go somewhere else, right? We got okay. cut. From there, I knew if I wanted to play right away and not sit out, 
I had to go down to a division two school. Got it. So I did that. And the school that I chose because it was such short notice by the time I had to make that decision, I just chose the one that was closest to home. I had a car. If I was in California, Pennsylvania, which for the people that don't know, a lot of the cities in Pennsylvania are named after other states. So it is (laughs) in Pennsylvania. Um, Six hour drive from Toronto. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go there. Even if my experience is terrible, at least I can see my family this time. Right. Yeah. From my Mexico experience, I didn't see my family for like a year and a half. So I was just, you know, first time kid leaving the house. I was like, you know what? I just want to go somewhere where I can check in on my, you know, my pops, my mom, grandparents, see how they're doing. Yeah. Uh, So I get there. uh, Things are going pretty well. Um, And I think it's like our second game of the season. Right. And uh, one of my teammates kind of flops on on an out of bounds play and he falls into the side of my leg and my ankle just topples over. Right. So obviously I'm out um can't play i told coaches like you know I, i'm gonna need a few games off and at first they were like okay right that's you know take your time yeah. heal up yeah 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 but kind of like the import situation as a pro it's kind of like that for especially at the d2 level because they don't have the same budget for mm-hmm. players because i'm not an american born they got to play a little bit pay a little bit more for a scholarship right so to yeah. have me sitting there not playing and we're losing on top of that yeah wasn't right uh so then you know uh, you recently apologized for this. I think the last time I told you the story was a little bit more gruesome, but <laughs> story for those who haven't heard it. Um, uh, so I was trying to rush back, trying to rush back. Cause they started to apply some pressure saying, you know, we need you out there. Um, and I just kept telling them like, yeah, I'll, I'll try and play, but I can't run yet. I can't, I can barely walk. Like I'm struggling mm-hmm. to get to class. Right. So I'm taking ibuprofen, doing as much as I can doing the rehab, whatever, whatever. And I'm asking them, Hey guys, like, you think you send me for an x-ray so I can like check this thing out, make sure it's not like, structurally something's going to mess me up forever. And they were like, no, like wouldn't let me take the x-ray. All right. That's so crazy. Then, yeah. So then I go, finally, I get to go home again for a longer period of time uh, for winter break. Right. I think we had like a week off or so. And the first thing I do when I get there is my mom takes me to the hospital and we get an x-ray done. Right. And the doctor says at the, by this point, uh, it's, there's nothing wrong with it structurally but it looks okay. like it had been fractured and started to heal with a point. Right. So I had played on it for so long. My body had started to try to adapt to it that, so, you know, the bone is first sorry, the socket's supposed to be smooth and the tendons are supposed to be able to just rub on it. Right now, yeah. imagine if it started to heal like this. So now when your tendons rubbing on it, it's all wonky. Right. So I get back to school and I'm talking to the coach and I said, Hey, like, just so you know, I probably should sit out for a while. Like this is what they're telling me. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, do that just keep in mind there's a thirty thousand dollars scholarship on the line wow right so obviously you know me i'm i don't have any money i'm like oh if i want this education i better uh figure it out ibuprofen up and try and obviously that's not a an ideal situation and again i found myself having to transfer right so did you have did you want it should i keep going no keep rolling man yeah no (laughs) i I, I always tell people like the ones that i'm not talking means it's good like i'm just like i'm let let you cook man this is great awesome awesome okay so then um it it came time for me to make another decision and i was just going to go to the university of toronto uh not to play sports but just um you know uh, go to school uh but coach charles hentamacos he wasn't really trying to hear that uh he said you know i think you still have you know you're hurt right now but i think you get healthy and i think you still uh, got a little bit more light, light life in your basketball career. And I said, okay, well, what do you think? And he reached out to a couple of schools for me and they reached out. It was like the University of Toronto, obviously, because it's home. Yeah. Uh, 
McGill was on the list and one couple others. I, I didn't put it out there that I was transferring back home. Right. Um, I think the story goes that Kirby told me is I couldn't get into McGill. McGill's a pretty high academic school. Mm-hmm. Um, so he reached out to Kirby, the coach at McGill. Uh, and then Kirby reached out to me. And at first I was like, I'm not taking that visit. Like I told my mom who was contacting me and said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to Manitoba. There's, there's no, <laughs> right. Because to the Toronto kid who, you know, yeah. big city, right. I'm thinking Toronto is, or sorry, Winnipeg is more like, I don't know, somewhere small, small town Manitoba. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No malls. No, no. Like, like, like Brandon, maybe more like a Brandon. You know, I didn't want to say Brandon. Ah, well, I'm just saying hey, it's all good. Brandon's small. We you know, know Brandon, but sure. We'll yeah, go with Brandon. Yeah. Okay. Um, I said it. Don't worry. There you go. There you go. That's um, so yeah, that's what I was expecting. Right. And then, you know, she's just like, well, you don't like being at that school anyways. Why not just get out for a little bit, take a trip, you know, make a trip out of it. You don't have to commit there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, you know, mom knows best. I'm going to take the trip. Right. I went and absolutely fell in love with the school. Right. The, the guys were cool. Kirby was cool. I don't know if anybody remembers this time, but this is when my visit was the day after Kirby had just wrecked his knee at Sky Zone, right? So I saw the, that video, man. Oh my god! Man, did you hear the pop? Anyway, Kirby. Ugh. Anyways, continue. <laughs> right? so, so to give you a little bit more background, my my school, my coach at California's University of Pennsylvania was a yellow yeah. schooler. I couldn't get. I couldn't play for that, right? Yeah. So my only criteria for finding if I was going to play again was finding a nice guy as a coach. That was it, yeah. right? When I first had committed to Kirby, I had no idea that he actually knew what he was talking about. No idea. I, I, I was like, okay, yeah, he coached for Team Canada. Like, I'm sure that means something, but I wasn't paying yeah. attention, right? This is how nice the guy was. Calls me, says, hey, well, the day before the visit. So I, he must've got hurt two days before the visit. So he calls me the day before the visit. Hey, do you mind if we reschedule or do, are, you, are you able to reschedule? I had an accident. I won't be able to take you on the, the tour. And I was like, cause I didn't want to go anyways. I was like, you know, coach, like I'm good, man. Like, no worries. Like if I can't come tomorrow, like it's all good. Like, I don't want to waste your time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was just like, nope, I'll set it. I'll set it up. I'll figure something out. Right. So I was like, well, okay, I get there. You know, one coach is picking me up from the airport. Uh, Brian Doby, the coach of the football team, who <laughs> might up. be the single best recruiter. I've ever yes, had. absolutely. <laughs> right. He's good. <laughs> Doby uh, does his Ogo, thing. <laughs> yeah. Ogo was involved in it. Like, Ogo, yeah. Guys took me out. I had a workout with Coach Surgeon, who turned out to be another great uh, influence in my basketball career. Taught me how to play the European way, as he would call it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so no, I, I met Kirby for the first time laid up in a hospital. Uh, oh, you went to go office. visit him? Yeah, man. That was part of the, was my <laughs> part of the visit was, yo, we got to go see Coach. He's in the hospital. I, I don't even know this guy. Yeah, no. So I, met, <laughs> I saw him in the hospital. Um, he's laid up. He's got his knee elevated, obviously. <laughs> Man, uh, high off, I don't know what they had him on, probably some morphine or something. Um, nice guy. And I was like, well, do the drugs or he's really that nice, right? Yeah, so yeah. I came back to my school, called my mom, my second school, called my mom, told her, I think this is where I want to be. And then the rest is kind of history. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah. That I mean, you know, what's funny is like, I mean, you probably would have ended up there anyways, but you got to see Dobie, Ogo, like all these people. And they're all like just, like just good people man like if it's that's almost like a ploy it's like hey uh you know i mean i'm gonna have some other people come pick you up and you get you're gonna get to meet all these cool people that are just like awesome and they're gonna like slowly integrate you uh because yeah you could you couldn't have uh met a, a better group of people 
uh, be inter- introduced to University of Manitoba. Um, and then after you got to meet Kirby High on uh, on morphine. So it was great. Kirby's already, like you said, he's already a nice guy. This guy's on morphine. Right. Like, great. This is great. He's, he's not going to ever yell at me. Yeah. <laughs> so but in between that time, so just so I'm clear, were you going, did you end up going to UT just to school or were you not in school? Like what was, like, I'm a little bit confused from like, you're at the, uh, Pennsylvania and you go back home and you're chilling. And during that year, you were looking at schools? No. So I went to University of Pennsylvania. Uh, yep. I was only there for one year, as you said. So yep. I got cut and then I had to come home right after that. And yep. then so while I was at home, I was okay. going to the team, not as a student, just kind of like working out with the team, staying around got the it. game. Got and it. then I had to make the choice between them and. Got you. it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And then, so did you get a, like a surgery on clearing up that the stuff in your ankle? No, man. I, no. I tell the story and it sounds made up. I, there was one day I was playing basketball, right? And I was hurting, right? And I made a, I just made a normal crossover and I felt a little pop and I heard a click, right? Sounds fake, right? After that day, pain was gone. I have no other explanation for how that happened. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Well, it, seem, it seems legitimate, right? Because it seems like it was just a, a growth from like the from the the fracture right and so you had some 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 stuff there and it just got ripped off and then you're like, yeah oh, it's good because that's what the pain was right your ligaments are rubbing up against it but if there's nothing to rub against and it breaks off then technically you don't have any pain right sure and again like I, i'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason if that's not a sign that you know i was supposed to be at u of m and things were supposed to play out the way they did and all those struggles that i went through kind of you know toughened me up a little bit and made me a little stronger then mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of crazy but yeah yeah, that's it's so interesting, man. Like, and again, like you know, we st- I started off by saying like Winnipeg's home now, Winnipeg's home, and 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 this is you know again interviewing people, uh, you know, so many people you hear these moments, right, that take place that like just change the trajectory of your life, and then you have like this decision, like there's always like this this fork in the road, right, and um, you know, had you had you not got injured, like you, I would probably never be talking to you. Um, and, and who, who's to say you don't go on, do other stuff. Right. But the point being is the, the, I'm always so interested in the reason how people got to the place they're at and the decisions they made along the way. Um, and it's, uh, it's just an interesting reflection when you look back, right. Cause you're like, I'm going to win Winni- it. Winnipeg is going there. Like crazy. I'm not even going to go to this visit. And, and it's interesting because if you rewind, you said, you know what, um, I probably should have went to that uh, more visits. I probably should have went to those visits, in New Mexico. Right. Um, you know, I probably, you, you literally said that. And then you were about to not go on a visit. Your mom's like, just go, what are you what's wrong with you? Go check, right. go check it out. You know? So you have to lose. Yeah. That's so interesting, man. So interesting. So, uh, your time at U of M, like, I mean, you went on, you had a, a, a quite the realm you read on your bio there, obviously your individual, um, statistics, right. Um, you had a lot of success as a team as well. Um, mm-hmm. I got to ask just straight up. So Kirby turned out to be as nice as he was uh, when he was laid up in bed. <laughs> Over the course of three years, one time. One really? Time, right? That's amazing. That's amazing. And like when he yelled at me, I was like, okay. You're yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So no, no, it's, it's, it's not, a, it wasn't an act. It wasn't a facade like that. That is yep. really what he genuinely a nice guy. Um, I obviously I'm, I'm, I'm on the coaching staff for, for you yes. now. Um, but I, I, I don't believe in like, I would never tell a player to come play for Kirby if I didn't actually believe that it was a really good thing for them. Mm-hmm. And just the way that he was able to revive my career, I'm a heavy believer. I don't think that there's just one Rashawn Brown out there, right? I don't think I'm the only kid that had this kind of a struggle 
you know, mm-hmm. we start off in high school and we have the skill to get there, but for some reason it doesn't work out. Right. Mm-hmm. Take my case and then, you know, look at how I was able to play for the Rattlers and play against the same competition that I was playing against uh, at the D1 level and yep. be better than okay. Right. Yep. So I don't think that's just me. And I think, you know, my message, I know we're kind of going off a tangent here, but my message for anybody kind of going through that is find a coach that you can, everybody wants to come home. They want to go to the Carlton. They want to go to the Ryerson, mm-hmm. right? Find a coach that believes in you, that wants you to, you know, be who you can be. Right. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Kirby ultimately saved my career. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. And like, and I mean, realistically, every time I talk to a former, former uh, player of his and, and uh, it always comes up uh, his impact on them just as like, just we haven't even talked about him as a person right you're talking about him as a coach but the one thing i always found with kirby and the pe- things people say is that his his um the personal impact um of hi- of him and his his attitude and uh, his ability to kind of connect with people always shines through right yeah. um he's he we all know um everyone who's ever listened to kirby speak uh, about basketball knows he's an excellent teacher right like that's without question but the thing that they may not know is how well he connects with his with his players and that's something that I've heard from like every one of his players. Like, no, no, like he's, you know, I, I trust that guy. Like he's, you know, he's, it's more than just coaching with him. Right. And I think that's, that's, that's super important. Yeah. Now the dynamic that we kind of have is cool because, you know, I played for him. I was able to be successful in the system that he likes to run. He changes the systems, but his way of thinking is similar. Mm-hmm. Right. So now I'm able to kind of bridge the gap in any, you know, he's, he's a really good coach. Don't get me wrong when I'm saying this, but any kind of, um, deficiency in communication where a player might not be able to understand, mm-hmm. I'm able to kind of now put what he's saying into players' terms, right? As coaches, yeah. we often we have the we have the tendency to kind of say, "Hey, Darcy, this is your position. I want you to come off the screen. When you come off the screen, your options are A and B, right?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, as a player who's especially a young guy, which is what we have a lot of right now, you might think what coach is saying is law, and like I have to get to that spot marked with an X. And if I'm not with my right foot yeah. on the right corner and left foot yeah. on the, you know what I mean? I'm wrong. Right. So for me to be able to just kind of translate that with the player's eyes, I didn't finish playing too long ago. I think it's been a very good uh, partnership. Yeah. So do you see yourself kind of like, you're obviously enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. really, fun. it's, uh, it's uh, different than I would have expected. You know, it's uh, I think as, as players, as different generations of players, uh, come through and I obviously I'm not very far removed right but you got to mm-hmm. find different ways of motivating people right sure. uh, the yellow screamer coach might have worked in the 70s that didn't work for me yeah yeah right? nice guy might work for me that won't work for somebody else you never know right but yeah um, at the end of the day it's all about adapting and stuff like that so then what would you say is the the thing you enjoy the most about it about U of M about coaching yeah like because you this is, I mean you're, you're coaching college basketball like so like you know, you're at these games. Is it just the connection to the energy that, the, like, what is the thing that stand out to you that make you enjoy the, the, the process of coaching? Yeah, man. It's just, it's just, and comp- competition, man. Competition. Mm. I've always been the guy, if we're throwing water balloons, who can throw it the farthest? Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, sorry, people that I compete with for no reason, but, you know, and it's like, I, the way I see basketball as coaching is like, and Kirby says it the best, like, it's not his team and we're the players, right? It's our team. We're together. These are our mm. guys. But mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. imagine being so. I, I I describe it as this: when I was playing for Kirby, let's say we're in a fight with the other team, right? And Kirby's yeah. standing there with his hands tied behind his back. He can't do anything to help himself in this fight. Yeah, it's my job to kind of take his instruction and go fight for him, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Other side of that, right? And it's like 
I like the fact that I have a group of guys that are willing to every day go out and fight for us. Yeah. 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 It's about being part of that, that larger group. Yeah. So then if we, if we rewind and now if we focus on you going back to your playing career, I got to bring this up because I mean, you're playing in the American system. Um, and then you had mentioned, right. Hey, I'm learning to play European ball and I'm learning, like, we know U sport is, is slightly different, um, uh, than just the NCAA generally, or, or that American style. So like, how did your game change? Um, and what was the, what was the process of like adapting your game and how quickly did you adapt, um, from like jumping in from, you know, your first year there all the way to the last year? Yeah. So what I realized in talking to surgeon is, Okay, I got to use terminology that's radio friendly here. <laughs> we'll, word, be, we'll beep it out. <laughs> I'm going to use the word American. Okay. Playing okay. American, North American style basketball is really, well, maybe it's changed as of late, but originally mm-hmm. it was really fast, really strong, hit you, hit you. I'm more athletic than you are. Right. Yes. Of course you got to be able to shoot, dribble, whatever. Right. Yeah. But um, him and I had a conversation one day and we're, we're still close to this day um, uh, where it was kind of like, if Rashawn Brown is going to try and out athlete, people i might play pro but it won't be a very mm. successful career right yes I'm yeah. like i'm i'm pretty athletic or was pretty athletic but in the grand scheme of things not very athletic right if you look at guys in the nba if you look at guys high level overseas i'm you know if it if 10 is the top i'm probably a four or five okay. right? right yeah so that's okay if I'm four or five, but I learn how to play basketball like the ones and twos, right? Yes, yes. If I can learn my yes. angles, if I can learn, hey, coming off a ball screen full speed isn't necessarily my best bet. Coming off mm-hmm. a ball screen full speed, turning your shoulder, being able to keep control of the ball while keeping a guy back here so that, you know, I can still see what's going on, but I'm not having to move full speed. And now that I'm not moving full speed, decisions happen a lot easier because, you know, things aren't flying by me. They're moving at yeah. my point. Boom, 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 right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for sure for sure yeah no and i think that's that's a, just a key thing to point out because um i think people struggle with that i mean that, i think that that struggle can even take place even just playing in in canada and, and going up to play new sport right but the people who master that part of the game or at least um develop that part of the game and and you said it perfectly right like oh if i have four level athleticism and i can combine that with this and like your overall like attributes just it just goes up right and your effect uh, your positive effect in the game is just that much more um which is, which is super cool so so after you're done playing man like again we you know i listed off your your resume here um obviously like you're hey you're an all canadian um you're a conference all-star you're male athlete of the year at the at the university obviously you're the leader of the team um like what was what, tell us about like the cbl and like because this was what the year two of, of the league I believe it was uh, early on. Yes, year two, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then, what was the, that transition like? I mean, you're you're finishing off, and you're now going on to play pro. Did you know you wanted to do it? Was it a like? Did it come out of nowhere? Was it a plan? No. So yeah. So um, funny story. So I remember at the beginning of my last season at U of M, we have like a coaches group chat, we have a players group chat, and I changed the title of our um, players group chat to 2019-2020 Canada West uh, champions, right? And I heard people being like, well, why'd you do that? It's like, because what we're going to do? It's like, that was my one goal remaining Mm -hmm. for my basketball career. Because of all the struggle I'd gone through, I literally had no desire to play professionally. It wasn't something, it's not that I 
I wouldn't have done it. It was just, it wasn't what I was shooting for, right? Yeah. My yeah. whole existence, basketball existence was wrapped around trying to be the best player that I could be so I could help this team get to nationals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously we fell short of that, but in that process of me just trying every day to be great and try to win every game and taking it one game at a time, I wound up having a decent season, right? Mm-hmm. From that point, I remember we went, and when I went with Kirby to accept my um, All-Canadian Award in Ottawa, mm-hmm. I had the CEBL flags up everywhere. And I was like, hey, Kirby, you think I can play in that? Like, you think I'm good enough? And he goes, yeah, I mean, like, we could probably, you know, talk to somebody and get you on some roster. He's like, you want to try? I'm like, sure. And then in the car, he calls um, uh, Sask. He's like, hey, what do you guys think about Rashawn Brown? And he's like, and they said I was on the radar and I didn't know if they're going to pick me. Mm-hmm. But uh, coming up closer to the season, they called and said, hey, we want to take you with our second pick, which because it's was it at the time there was six teams, right? Okay, yeah. And first round. So they picked a guy from their team. Second round, I got picked. And then third round, they picked a guy from their team again, right? Uh, so I was excited, right? I think we talked about this before. But then, uh, you know, I'm staying in shape. Everything's good. And then, boom, COVID hits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the world kind of shuts down. Uh, you know, it wasn't something I was shooting for. But now that I was in it, I was kind of sad about it, you know. Thought this was going to be, you know, the next step. Like, and who knows what comes after that, right? So I, uh, you know, get a little out of shape. You know, everybody's kind of stuck in the house. Um, and then one day I get a call and this is like, maybe I want to say two weeks before we got it, maybe three weeks before we got to go to the bubble. And they're like, Hey, we're going to actually have this bubble season. Are you interested in playing if we do? And I was like, yeah, yeah, please let me, let me know where I got to be and when they're like, okay, well your flight's on this date, be ready. So I went and I think I ordered it from Amazon, like some of those LeBert bars. I don't know if you remember those yellow kind of, it's all I could yeah. my, my basement apartment. Right. So yeah. Started just trying to get in shape. I'm dribbling in my basement. Uh, my little puppy's trying to chase the ball around. I don't even have a space to really train. Uh, and yeah, I got ready. I wasn't in shape when I got there, but training camp, you know, for that first week, uh, kind of shook me back into enough. It's kind of overweight, kind of pudgy at the time, but you know, I ended up having a decent season there. So it was interesting. That's interesting. So then like you only played the one season though, right? Yeah. Only played one yeah. season. Uh, the plan was I had actually signed a contract to go after that season to Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, just with COVID and things like that didn't work out. Um, so I found myself just having to go ahead and start my career. Now I work yeah. in finance. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I've been up to lately. So it's interesting because again, like, <laughs> you're like, oh, I don't really want to play pro, but then you end up almost, you play pro and then you're like, you had, you had a contract to go to Turkey and had things just not been pandemic, you probably would have went and at least played it one year. Yeah, I think so I, when I when I watched the the competition over there, because it was second league Turkey, right? So okay, first league Turkey is like big, 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 big basketball, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Turkey's good, but it's it's very doable, and I found it comparable to something slightly higher than U Sports. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, I just finished doing what I did in the CEBL. This should be something I can handle, right? And then from there, the plan was to try and slowly level up. But when you don't get to take that first step, I just didn't. I didn't have the means at the time as a just mm. first graduated student to hold off long enough to yeah. see where I could go with it. Right. So I was like, okay, yeah. time to start working. Time to get into it. Yeah. 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 Hey man, you're, you're, you're a rare breed. I mean, obviously I know you kept playing basketball, right? Like you're uh you're, you know, I, I interviewed uh Graham Bodner, um, you know, my good friend. And I know you're a team. Are you playing with him this year? You played with him in the past year. You playing with him this year as well. Yep. Man. I, well, it's crazy. I'm interviewing all his teammates now. Interviewed yeah. X as well. Um, but, uh, 
you obviously play senior men's so like you still love the game uh, you oh, yeah. still you're still you're still around the game you're still part of the game you're wearing the sea bear shirt you're on the board of directors so you're still connected and you still get to get out and run and play um even though you're not you know playing professionally you're still playing basketball and i think that's the key element here is um you know you love the game and you're still involved in it mm-hmm. definitely have to be whether it's coaching or playing you know I, I don't know how long the body holds up when you're not doing it every day um every time i show up to a men's league game and i am you know still okay i'm like oh all right well, <laughs> i survived another week let's see if i can do it again <laughs> and you know because i don't like that now I, I just play at the men's league so yeah. there's obviously rust and there's gonna be games where i'll be not very good and there's games mm-hmm. where i'm pretty close to where i was and it's like mm-hmm. it's it's a crazy dynamic. Hey, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I interviewed X and he's like, yo, I want to play till I'm whatever. He gave you that. I don't keep playing forever. And then I said, I'll say the same thing I said to him. I'm not that you're saying that, but hey, if Ogo, uh, Ogo's 40, 45, I don't know how old that man is, 45 maybe? This guy's still out here playing, man. You're a young buck. You got like 10 more years left in you, man. Come on now. Ogo's got some. Suk, Suk, Suk as well. Suk out here too, like 40. That guy, I swear, is not aged, man. I don't know how these yeah, guys are doing that. Graham two grams 40 42 oh, Elliot uh, Elliot there you go man Elliot shout out to Elliot I can't believe this guy this guy's still out here doing Elliot like playing give, Elliot will give you 40 on a, on a random it's night. crazy right I mean it, it's crazy I don't know how these guys do it man I'm, I'm with you like if I'm not playing basketball I'll still be like I can do other stuff but like playing at like a level that you want to play at you're like I can't do that like I hear you but um <laughs> all that said uh we're going to wrap up soon. I still have like two or three more questions. So these ones are just going to be direct questions. I always ask people, and this is, I'm curious to see if you have a story. I always ask it because some people have it. Some people don't. Some people like this is hard. So two straight questions. One is your most memorable basketball story or moment. That's, that's a tough one. Yeah. I got, it's so, tough. I got so many, like to say like the most. You can give me a couple. Doesn't have to be one. What What are the first ones that came to mind when when you're kind of like racking your mind? What's popping it up in your I'd mind? I'd say missing that. They're sorry, scoring that wrong basket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, I mean, wow. I love and, that because you're so young and it's still stuck with you to this yeah. day. I love that. I love that. And like and like like you said before, like things happen for a reason. Like if I don't do that, do I have the same motivation over that True. summer to then True. turn it to what I did? Right. True. Um. A, a negative one is so when we played Alberta in my sem- in the semifinal game to go to uh, nationals, I missed the game winning shot. That is mm. a shot that I will never forget. That that, that one will never leave me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you know off of just the top of my mind, that's probably the most the biggest two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so two well, misses. <laughs> well, 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 no, it's interesting because um, you know I've I've got to interview some pretty pretty you know, people who won a lot. And I was interviewing Jerry Hemmings and I asked him this question and all he talked about, this guy's won like tons of national championships, yeah. conference championships. And, and you know what he brought up? The losses. Yeah. I was like, oh. So, you know, <laughs> having said that, tell us a little bit about that, that game uh, leading up to that shot. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm going to you know, bring you back there, but you brought it up as a memorable moment in, in the sense that you didn't make the shot. Had you made that shot, win the game go to nationals yeah yeah so so um i was having a decent game uh i thought that you know i was ready to hit the shot i remember so we're up i want to say let's call it two that Mm -hmm. makes sense we're up two right they have the ball they get kind of like a cheap layup at the rim and tie it up right 
coach calls a timeout, draws up a play. Uh, I'm supposed to run up the right side of the key, get the ball, come off a screen, should be able to get one off, right? So I get the ball, sorry, I trip on the way over, get up off the floor, get the ball, come off the ball screen like we always do. And I shoot the ball, but they switch it this time, right? Mm. There's not enough time for me to like, so they switch another big zone. There's not enough time for me to pull out and go at them, right? It's like three, two, one kind of mm-hmm. scenario, right? So the guy's six, eight-ish. I can't see the rim, but I shoot it, right? Uh, and I see the ball and it looks like it's going in, right? If I watch, and you can find the clip online, I'm, it hurts, but you can find it. <laughs> right um it looks even on camera like it's going in and it just falls mm-hmm. short, air ball just like just literally short of the rim mm-hmm. uh and i just my shoulders dropped and i was like okay overtime and we weren't able to pull it out i think uh-huh. um that would have definitely been a david versus goliath story of us beating alberta that year and i that was something i really like i said that was my only goal for the year right i'm not a big emotional guy um I was in tears, man. I was the whole team in the locker room after was pretty hurt after that one. So, like I said, yeah. it's we're all hugging and stuff, stuff that we probably won't admit to. Me and Serge, yeah. and Serge, if you listen to this, we hugged for a while there, teared up. <laughs> you know, that's my guy. Um, but yeah, no, that's why that one's so memorable. Yeah. But to the question you asked before, I thought of another moment, uh, and maybe somebody else can relate to this too. Uh, so when I when I was questioning myself, can I actually play in the CBL, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my first game was against uh, the the Niagara River Lions, and mm-hmm. Daniel Mullings was one of their main guys. Now, when I was at New Mexico State, Daniel Mullings was the guy, right? Really good basketball player, super athletic. He would be on that scale of that ten. He'd be like an eight or nine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The athlete, right? And he used to absolutely abuse me as a freshman. You know, fifth year guy beating yeah. up on the on the rookie, right? And yeah. he used to kill me, right? So naturally, you go into the game. I have a bit of a flashback. I'm like, ah, man. All right. <laughs> I remember I was talking, I don't remember who I was talking to. Maybe it was my lady, maybe it was Montana. And then, anyways, they're like, well, just go be you. I was like, never thought about that. <laughs> so I told myself, I don't care what kind of look it is. When I sub into this game, I'm letting it up. All right. Yeah. First dribble, boom. They're not on me right away. He's closing out slowly. Hit it. It's like, okay, all right, I can do this. All right. The second one, though, is probably my most memorable shot because it was it was what I was doing at U of M. Right. It's what I the the, the kind of carry over happened for me. And it mm-hmm. was kind of like a tween tween dribble, dribble, snatch back, hit a jumper. And I was like, oh, yeah. like, you know, in that moment of just like, I can do this. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not too out. I'm not as out of my element as I thought, you know, and then it just kept rolling. And I was like, OK, like, you know, there's really no difference here. It's just go be you just as she said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I love that full circle. It's it's weird how we put those limitations on ourselves, eh? Like, you're like, oh, man, this guy's here. And right away, like, but, you know, you haven't seen this guy and you're both on the same floor. So there's no reason why, but you have these limitations that you you put there until sometimes it takes people to say, hey, yo, what are you you doing? Yeah, you're good. And sometimes it takes moments. Sometimes it takes a bit of both. But it was funny because I'm never I'm normally not that guy that's like worried about that. But I man, yeah abuse that i that guy (laughs) you had some ptsd man (laughs) and man like i'm sure you know my rookies would have felt the same you know but yeah just the circle of basketball life right for sure that's the way that's the way it goes all right so uh next one i got here i don't know if you maybe it's the scoring on your maybe the your most one of your most memorable and the funniest moments the same one scoring your own basket but you got a, a funniest basketball story moment funniest basketball moment 
man i think it would just be like the the time with the guys man like when, yeah. I, when I'm playing basketball i get locked in like i'm i'm not always the most fun guy to be around while i'm playing but you know the, the road trips with the guys the going out with the guys the laughs the bus rides you know you would think that those plane rides and those bus rides would be the worst man they're pretty fun yeah. like you just you know you don't get those times back right so yeah. i would say that all the jokes cracked on those you know hanging out with kirby hanging out with the guys i, th- I think yeah. that would yeah, yeah. No, sure that's yeah. a good one i like that just like the culmination of all of it together as yeah, experiences yeah. it's funny you mentioned that like right away then i was thinking back to when i was playing and like you know i fly a lot now but back then man those flights were so fast because like you're on there with your boy like you guys are goofing around you're you know of course you, some people sleep but it was completely different now like i'm flying alone like it's just chill whatever but yeah. you know you're in college you're goofing around and stuff like that so yeah bus rides like you're on long bus rides but it's no sweat, even though it would be in any other situation. Like, I don't want to send this bus for four hours or whatever. So, yeah, you're totally right. That's that's a good one. I know yeah. I've, I've had people say, like, oh, my teammates, stuff like that. But they've never sent, like, the times on the planes on the, you know, just goofing around, stuff like that. So that's a good one. Times outside of the game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So last question I have here. Um, you're now an assistant coach with the Bisons. Um, you know, we talked about the Seabears. You're on the board. Uh, you have all these experiences with basketball. Um you know, what do you think is the most important thing in developing young players? So if you reflect back on your experience um, and your time developing, learning um, pitfalls, what do you think are those things that um, a coach would need to know or a young player? And, and, I, and when I say young, it can be, you know, it can be from nine, the young Rashawn to, to even a young college player. Um, what, are, what are some of those, those, those skills or intangibles or mindsets that they need to have um, to, to develop properly in the game of basketball? Yeah, well, from a physical spot, I always say for young young kids, always train as if you're never going to grow again, right? Mm, I always one. see, you know, there's always a kid on a team who, by they're really good when they're kids, right? They're the tallest kid, but by the time they get to the eighth, ninth grade, right, they never worked on any guard skills, yeah. right? And now they can't really figure out how to where their niche is or where they fit in, yeah. right? Yeah. I'd always rather be the kid who, you know even if I'm super tall, right? Even if I'm, let's say I'm a six, four, 12 year old, right? I'm huge, right? Why would I not work on guard skills? Yeah. If I get 18 and I'm six, four trying to play a center, I'm little, right? If I grow and now I'm, you know, six, nine, but I've got guard skills, that's what I've been working on. Well, now I'm mm-hmm. a big point guard, big shooting guard, right? Yeah, exactly. I've always, I'd, I'd always rather be on that side than on the other side. True. I think that'd be probably the biggest mistake that I see amongst uh, trainers and coaches today is I think that, or sorry, that work with the young, young is that they're training kids for what they play now. Right. Mm -hmm. And if the goal is to get them as far in the game as they can, I think it's always best to work on the small stuff. We can always add the big stuff later. I think I stand, Mm -hmm. I stood a better chance as a guard learning how to post up and learn a drop step, a hook shot, than a big, who would then have to learn, okay, how do I dribble? How do I read the floor? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You look at a guy like Giannis, right? What if he only was taught big man skills? He's probably not what he is today, right? True, true. That's interesting. Yeah, I never heard that one before. That's a good one. That's a, that's a good piece of advice. Um, all right, man. No, this, is, this has been good. Um, I, uh, so before we jump, though, I, got, I see the, jer- the jerseys that are framed in the background. Are those the Rattlers? Is that the CBL? The, we have two. Bill on that side. Yeah. Uh, and then those are my. my oh, there's two. Okay. There's two. Okay. Nice. Nice. Wait, hold up. Wait, wait, hold on. Was There's no bison one? What's going on? I got to talk to Kirby about getting one. Come of on, those. Kirby. 
What's, what's going on? Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. We Kirby, gotta, if you're gotta, listening, I'll take my yellow number four back anytime. Thank we, you. We we got to work on that, man. You got, we got to send an email. I'm going to say, right. uh, you know, con- concerned alumni, uh, you know, we, we need to get this this jersey going on I here. I would love to throw one in there. So, yeah, if you can swing that, please do. Hey, but you're on the staff. You're going to see him tomorrow, man. <laughs> Just walk in the bag. It's mine. And like, hey, look, it. man, uh, you owed me something. You know what? So, no, that's good, man. I appreciate you taking the time um and doing this and uh obviously like again good luck in uh uh i mean good luck in obviously with the rest of the season with the bisons man um obviously off to a crazy start um this has to be one of the better starts i would say in the team's uh team's history what are you guys 13 and 1 13 and 1 they yeah they should beat our record they should i was gonna say yeah if they continue down this 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 stretch so good luck with the rest of the season um i'm, I'm hoping that this is uh the start of uh Co- coach brown We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I hope that's a start, man. You got you got the right voice for it. You got the right persona. I think you 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 know a lot of the a lot of the people who um, you hear this often with people who have uh, gone through struggle in their career, and then after have have you know come out on the other side, they end up being really good coaches, right? So um, you know if it's something that gives you that, you, that ignites a passion, man, I, I definitely suggest kind of continuing on with it because I'm sure you're going to be able to affect a lot of people just like Kirby. Yeah, just like some of your your you know some of your your coaches did as well, man. So good luck with that, and uh, thanks for taking the time. Well, thank you. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please like, subscribe, follow, and share this series, and reach out to us with your comments on the show. Thanks again for joining us.